Uh, good morning, uh, church. It's good to see you and to be with you uh, this morning as we continue through the Gospel of Luke, uh, our, our series uh, walking through this Gospel. Um, many years ago, I heard a, uh, a, a little rhyming uh, couplet, <laughs> a little rhyme, a little poem, part of a poem. Uh, from uh, from John Piper, I think I originally heard it, and some message that he he gave. Uh, I remember in high school just listening to John Piper his his messages at Passion over and over in my uh, on my little old school MP3 player as I would mow, uh, and and uh, he had such an influence on me. Uh, but it's actually a quote from from C.T. Studd, and I think it it, it uh, in some ways it summarizes what our passage is about today. And so I wanted to start with it. It says this: Only one life. Will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We'll see three things today, uh, three sections to our uh, to our, our time this morning: uh, time and task, reward and reprimand, slaughter and salvation. Time and task, reward and reprimand, slaughter and salvation. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll we'll jump in. I want to give you a moment just in your seat to pray for yourself. Uh, would you pray that God would, uh, would speak to you and that you would be open to whatever he wants to say to you this morning? Would you pray also for um, the person next to you, to your neighbor, to your family member, whoever uh, is around you? Would you ask God to speak to them? And if you would, would you also pray for me? I pray that I would be faithful to God's word and I would be helpful to you. Father, we uh, come to you again this morning um, before your word. Thank you for it. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, we ask that you would speak. Um, Father, no one here wants to hear me, um, Lord, but we, we all need to hear you. And so would you speak by your Holy Spirit through your word to us, to each of our hearts as we need it. We trust you to do this, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Time and task, time and task. Um, Jesus, as we saw two weeks ago in, in Pastor Dale's sermon, uh, he's in Jericho. Uh, he has uh, with Zacchaeus, and he's just been with Zacchaeus, the tax collector in his house, and he says, salvation has come to this house. Uh, and, and he says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And so they're still, I think, in, in Jericho. There's no indication that they're not. Um, it says, as they were listening to this, so uh, they're still there in, in the house, uh, in, in, in Zacchaeus' house. 
in Jericho, uh, and we get, uh, we get uh, actually the reason for this parable. Verse 11, as, as they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. All right, so we, we, we see here, why, why did Jesus tell this story? Well, he's trying to prepare his followers, his disciples, he's trying to p- prepare them for what's coming. He's been trying to prepare them, right? He, we've seen him do this through uh, explicitly telling them, through telling them stories and teaching them uh, in different ways. Uh, but, but they're nearing the end of their journey to Jerusalem. And he's talked a lot about his kingdom and how he's coming, how the Son of Man will come and will judge the living and the dead, how, uh, G- how he is the king, the, the promised Messiah, the one foretold. And they know that something big is happening in Jerusalem. He's told them what it is, but they haven't understood that he's going to die and rise from the dead. Uh, so so he's, he's trying to prepare them. Uh, but they think, and, and their misconception, is that the kingdom is going to appear right away. Right? They think oh, we're about to ride into Jerusalem and Jesus is gonna, gonna take out the Romans and we're gonna rule with him. It's gonna be awesome. And so he tells them this story to situate them, right? To, to, to show them, no, 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 there's, there's, it's not, that's not what's gonna happen. I am the king, I am gonna reign, but, but not, not yet. And now, I, if that's why they need the story, well, why do we need the story? I don't think we have the same assumption, the same wrong assumption, as, as the disciples. I don't think any of us are in danger of thinking, oh, Jesus is coming back next week, so I can just sit back and relax. No, I, I think we actually might have the opposite problem. We might uh, f- even forget that Jesus is going to return. We, th- we think he's never going to return. We, we, we forget that he has promised to come back and, and to rule and reign in, in the flesh. And so we, we need this story in the same way to, to situate us, to show us what is our role? Where are we in, in the grand story of God? And isn't this what we do when we gather? When we get together as a church, when we worship, when we uh, pray, when we hear the word of God, and, and what, are we, what are we doing? We're situating ourselves. We're reminding ourselves. We're reorienting ourselves, aren't we? Because all, everything in our culture says, the only thing that matters is right now. Right? We're, we're a very ahistorical culture. We're kind of cut off from our, we don't, we don't have any, any affinity for where we've come from, uh, our, our roots. Um, and, and, we're, and I don't think we're even encouraged to think about the future and where we're going. It's all about instant gratification. What can I get now? This is all that matters. My, my uh, you know, current situation, the comfort in the current moment. And so what do we do? We get together, we remind our, each other we remind ourselves, we, we, we sing about the truths of creation, of a perfect creation, of uh, a fall, a, a rebellion against God, of reconciliation and, and renewal in Christ, and of a new creation that's coming. And we tell this story, we remind ourselves of the story, uh, what God's doing in the world, and what is our role in it. And so we, we, we need this. We need it all the time. And we need to be reoriented. And so in verse 12, Jesus says, uh, a nobleman traveled to a far country to receive for himself authority to be king and then to return. He called 10 of his servants, gave them 10 minas and said, and told them, go engage in business until I come back. But his subjects hated him, sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. 
Okay, so Jesus is setting up this story. There's a nobleman, right? Someone of noble birth, uh, someone with a large, uh, you know, estate. Uh, he's going to receive a kingdom, right? And this, this would have been a, a fairly typical historical event, situation, uh, right? When, when Herod's son, Archelaus, uh, when Herod died, he would have had to go to Rome. He, he did, he went to Rome in order to receive authority to be king, right? He, he, he needed to do that to be authorized and he would come back and rule. Uh, the Jews didn't like Archelaus, so they sent a delegation after him to try to, a lobbyist group, to go try to lobby Rome and say, don't let this guy be king, uh, right? It didn't work. He, he came back, he was king. And so this was just a, a, a common thing that, that would, have, would have happened. The, the original hearers would have understood this. And, and Jesus is telling the story and using this story as an illustration. Um, and, and, and so, what, so what, what happens? This nobleman goes off uh, to, to receive authority to be king, but, but his, his subjects, right, the citizens of the area that he's gonna rule over, uh, they don't like him. They hate him. They send a delegation to, to try to prevent him from being king. So what, what is Jesus talking about? What's he, what's he, what's he teaching here? Well, he, he's, he, I think he's putting in story form what he's been telling his disciples, what he just recently told them back in 18, uh, verse 31. Uh, we're going up to Jerusalem. Everything that's written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles, be mocked, insulted, spit upon. They'll flog him. They'll kill him. He'll rise on the third day. He's, he's been telling them, but this says they didn't understand it. So he's given them a story uh, to, to help them under, understand it. Um, they, they don't get it now, but they will. They will. Jesus is the nobleman, right? He's the nobleman in the story. He's on his way to receive authority as king. He's going to Jerusalem. Um, but, but uh, right, there's opposition in, in, in the, in the, to, to his reign. Um, and and he, he, he's, told, he's telling them, I'm going to experience opposition. Instead of welcoming me, they're going to oppose me. He came to his own and his own didn't receive him. Right, he would save the world. He would receive his kingdom. He would receive his kingship. But it wasn't through conquest. It was through sacrifice he would do it. This is where he was going. This is what he was gonna do. And he wants them to know. He wants them to know this because he wants them to know there will be a time when I won't be here. The nobleman goes away to a far country. He says, there's gonna be a time when I won't be here. You'll be waiting for me to come back. It's not happening right now. And in the midst of this nobleman going to receive his kingdom, he calls his servants before him. All right, before he leaves. He calls, he calls 10 of his servants and he gives them each a mina, right? Uh, a mina was a, 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 a denomination of money uh, that was about four months wages, okay? So in modern terms, maybe this is say $15,000, $20,000, right? It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a lot of money. It's not, not a lot of money to start a business, right? Uh, it, it's a, it's a, a relatively small uh, amount of money and it gives each person the same. Now, you might be familiar, uh, many people are more familiar with the parable of the talents, which is in Matthew, a, a, a similar story, uh, but, but different, different in some important ways. And so I noticed the, the particularities of this story. I think they are different times as a, as a preacher does. I think Jesus used illustrations, the same illustrations in different ways for different purposes. And I think this is an example of that. He, he, he has 10 servants, he gives them each the same amount of money, uh, one mina. And he gives them money, and not only that, but he gives them a task, right? He, he tells them what to do with it. Engage in business until I return, right? Make a profit, trade, right? Do business with this money, uh, make it grow. And this is what he expects. Now, uh, who do these servants in the story represent? 
Well, if the nobleman is Jesus, uh, these servants represent Christians, right? The servants of God, followers of Christ. We are the ones who serve him, even in, in the New Testament. Uh, the, the self-identification, if you look at the beginning of almost every epistle, Paul, what is it? A servant of Christ Jesus, right? Peter, a servant of Christ. John, a servant of Christ Jesus. They, this is how they saw themselves uh, as servants, even slaves of Christ. And we believe that service to God is true freedom. And, and uh, so, so that's, this is us. So we might ask, okay, well, what have we been given? What task have we been assigned well, what has God given you? What has he given you? All the servants in the story actually get the same amount of money. Uh, and in many ways, we, we all have been given the same thing, haven't we? We have life and breath. Right? We, we have, uh, if you're a Christian, we, you have new life. The Holy Spirit inside you. You have the love of God. The steadfast love of the Lord that never fails. You have the gospel message, this message of reconciliation. You've been given that. In some ways, though, and in many ways, we have been given different things. And the Bible talks about this. We're not all the same. We have different personalities. We have different temperaments. We have different experiences in our life and backgrounds. We have different resources. We have different spiritual gifts, right? We've all been given, uh, what does Paul say? Variety of gifts, but the same spirit, right? We've been given, and we've been given all for the building up of the body. So what has God given you? What has he entrusted you with? Now, if that's what he's given you, what, what, what's the task that you've been assigned to? What, what is your business for God in the world? Well, all Christians agree on the basics, <laughs> essentially, uh, that, that there's kind of a, a, there's a, a vertical dimension and there's a horizontal dimension. That we're to love God, right? And we're to love people. This, this is what, what the, the Bible is incredibly clear on. That's from the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We, people use different language around this, but, but it's, it's essentially talking about the same thing. What we said at the church, what's our, our mission? To make disciples and make much of Jesus. It's the same thing. Love God, love people. Jesus just said a mission statement of his own life in Luke 19.10. The son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came, to seek and save the lost. And then uh, what, did he, what did he do after, uh, what did he say after he rose from the dead? He, he told his disciples, uh, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. He gave us the mission, the same mission, to seek and to save the lost. We are to be the ambassadors of God on earth. We're to glorify God as, as his apprentices and as his ambassadors. Right, this is what we're, we're called to. Now, let's look, let's look closely at a couple details of the story. Flesh this out. Now, notice that, that the master, he gave them a task, engage in business, right? But he didn't give them specifics, right? He wasn't like, Hey, real estate futures. That's where you need to put this. Or he didn't say like open a nail salon. You know, like he didn't give them specifics. He, he essentially said, be an entrepreneur. Here's, your, here's your, your seed round. Go make something happen. 
right? Uh, and, and listen, I, I think it's, it's the same for us, isn't it? Right? We've been given a test. Love God, love people, make disciples, like, like help people in every interaction, help people uh, move closer to Jesus. Well, how, but how do you do that? I don't know, <laughs> right? Be creative. We're all different. We all, we all have these different gifts and different personalities, different experiences, different spiritual gifts. How, how are you using what you have to do this task? So there's, cre- there's creativity in this. It's wonderful. Um, no, notice this would have been, I think, an engrossing uh, task, right? The, the, the servants, they would have continued to live their lives. They would have continued to wake up and eat breakfast and, you know, see their family. Like, they, like they would have been, they would have, there were some things that would have been, man, their lives were the same. Uh, but in other ways, it would have been totally different. This would have been their main task. This would have been the engrossing thing, the main thing they were doing, Right? Was ha- because of this command from their master, engage in business until I return. That would have been the main thing they were doing. Okay, how can I do this? This is the main task. Whatever else they were doing, they were doing this. It was engrossing. And I think it's the same for us, isn't it? Whatever else we're doing, shouldn't we be about our master's business? Shouldn't we be doing what we've been called to by Jesus? Lastly, notice uh, that, that this would have been a difficult task, right? The, notice right after he says, uh, engage in business until I come back, verse 14, his subject hated him. <laughs> so uh, these servants are around enemies of, of the master. They, they live among uh, people who are opposed to their master and to, to his rule. And so do you think it was easy for them to trade and do business with these people? No, that would have been challenging, right? It would have been difficult. And isn't it the same with us? Don't we always encounter in the world uh, and in, in, in the devil uh, opposition to the business of God in the world? Right? It's not that it's just easy. It's not that it's, nothing's wrong, gonna go wrong. We're not gonna experience opposition and hardship. Of course we will. We should experience and expect that. This is what we've been assigned to by Jesus. This is what we've been given. It's what we've been told to do. And so let's look at reward and reprimand. Verse 15, at his return, having received the authority to be king, he summoned those servants he had given the money to so that he could find out how much they'd made in business. The first came forward and said, Master, your mina has earned 10 more minas. Well done, good servant, he told him, because you've been faithful in a very small matter have authority over 10 towns. The second came and said, Master, your mina has made five minas. So he said to him, you will be over five towns. So when the nobleman returns, having received the authority, so he, he got it, right? He, he's, he's the ruler now. He calls his servants. And, and of course he does, right? He gave them a, a task to do. Right? Of course he's gonna hold them accountable to it. Hey, how'd it go? How'd it go with, with what I gave you? And the first comes and says, Yamina made 10 more. Awesome, well done, good, good servant. Right? And what does he say, what does he give him? He says, because you've been faithful over this little thing, I'm gonna give you 10 towns to rule over. Now you're the ruler of these 10 towns, this whole area. Wow. The second, the same. It's made five, you get five towns. The, the master's generous 
And, and the reward for faithfulness in this relatively small matter, again, this is a small amount of money. It, it's authority over cities. You get to rule now. Wow. What, what does this show? Right, well, in the story, this nobleman, he went to get authority uh, and, and then to come back and rule, right? And, and so, and when he did, when he, when he was ruling, he, he wanted faithful servants who were under him who could be his stewards over his kingdom. And so this money he gave them was to test them and to form them into servants who, who could undertake more responsibility, who could give more to, you see? And in the same way for us, God is not just giving us arbitrary tasks to do because he's God and it's entertaining for him. Right, he's not just like, oh, just do something. Just, you know, keep yourself occupied. I don't care. No, that's not, that's not, that's not he's much more intentional than that. He, he doesn't give us our business for him uh, because it's arbitrary. He doesn't give us business for him because he needs us to, right? And he can't do it without us, no, right? He gives, you, the, the, the master gives this small amount of money. It's not like, like he could have done other things, better things with, with these, these small amounts of money than give them to these 10 guys. But, but no, no, he, what's he doing? He's, he's wanting to form these guys, these, these servants. He, and he's forming us, right? Through the, the tasks that he's given us, he's building men, He's building women who he will be able to give more to. I do know that we will rule and reign on the new heavens and the new earth. The Bible says that we will reign with him. Paul has this kind of throwaway line. Have you heard this line? It's like, uh, he's arguing in in another direction. He's like, don't you know you're gonna judge angels? (laughs) I'm like, can we have a little more on that, Paul? What do you mean we're gonna judge angels? Right? He's just like, hey, there's, there's more coming. And the king in the story is, is gracious and he's generous to his servants. Right? He's generous to these faithful servants who did what he asked. He gives them, he gives them so much more than they deserve. And God is the same to us. He wants to give us authority. He wants to give us responsibility. Now the next servant, the third servant comes to give account. Verse 20, another came and said, Master, here is your mina. I have kept it safe in a cloth because I was afraid of you. Since you're a harsh man, you collect what you didn't deposit and reap what you didn't sow. He told him, I will condemn you by what you said, you evil servant. If you knew I was a harsh man collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow, why then didn't you put my money in the bank? When I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So he said to those standing there, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. But they said to him, master, he has 10 minas. I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. The servant foolishly hides the mina in a cloth and just sits on it. Right? And when the time comes for him to give an account, he, sa- he says, I was, I was afraid because you're a harsh man. Right, and maybe he's saying, I'm afraid of what would happen if I lost your money or didn't, it didn't work or something. I, I don't know. It's, it's not a good excuse, right, as, as the king himself points out. This servant clearly doesn't know the king. He doesn't know the king's character. 
You, you see, we, we've just said, uh, and we've, we've just seen, uh, th- this king is generous, right? He is generous with his servants. He, he had every right, right? These are his servants. He had every right to, to take the profit of these guys and go, well, well done, good servant. Here, give me all those stuff and get back to work, you know? But he doesn't do that. He says, well done. Hey, here's more. Here's cities. Go, right? Uh, he, he's so generous. He's not harsh, right? But, but, but the king says, okay, fine. Let, let's say I'm a harsh man. Let's say that what you're saying is true. You were afraid because I was a harsh man. Why didn't you put it in the bank? Why didn't you, I would at least gotten interest. You would have at least said, hey, here's your mina with a, plus a little bit that it earned while you were gone. A servant said he was afraid, but, but whether it was fear, insecurity, or, or as I suspect, just plain laziness, he didn't do what was asked of him. He didn't do what he was told. And for that, he lost everything. And I think I should say here, some of us are lazy about God's business in the world. But God has given you life and breath and everything, hasn't he? What, what are you doing to be about his business? How, how are you loving God? How are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? How are you loving the world, those far from God? How are you making disciples? How have you helped someone recently through an interaction to move closer to Jesus? And do you see how the master just blows this servant's excuse out of the water? It's like, okay, if I was a harsh man, why didn't you put it in the bank? Like he, just, he, he just blows it out. And, and do you think that, that excuses are going to work when Jesus comes? Right? Do you think that you'll be able to say, Lord, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just real busy you know, when, the, just, you know, when I reach this next level at work, then I'm going to really be faithful to you. When I, can, when I get this relationship in order, then I'm going to really be faithful. When my kids are a little older, then I'll, then I'll be faithful. When I just graduate, then I'll be faithful to you. I, I would have been, you know, if you'd have just given me a little more time. I was just so busy. I don't think any excuses <laughs> will stand. And so let's look at, at lastly, slaughter and salvation. Um, there are only two categories of people in this parable. And I think there's only two categories of people in the world. There are servants of Christ and there are enemies of Christ. I wonder what you are. Are 
They're servants of Christ. They're enemies of Christ. If you aren't a servant, then you're an enemy. And some of you in here know that you're an enemy of God, right? You're like, yeah, I hate God. I get it. <laughs> I'm his enemy, right? But, but some of you uh, are in here you, and, you, and you would say, well, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm certainly not a Christian, but I, I wouldn't say I hate God. You know, I, I, just, I just don't really care about it. Like, I, don't, I just don't think much about him. He doesn't really have much to do with me, but I wouldn't say that makes me an enemy of God. But, but look at the story. The subject of the land, verse 14, they send a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to rule over us. And, and this is the essence of sin. I don't want this man to rule over me. I don't want to submit to him. I don't want to listen, have to listen and obey. The, the heart of sin is human autonomy. It's self-rule instead of submitting to God's rule. So, so do you see, if you say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think much about God at all. I, I'm not his enemy, but I don't really, I just don't really, it didn't really have anything to do with me. All that means is that you've so, so fully, so comprehensively asserted your autonomy and your independence that you can then look at the one who made you and who gives you your every breath and say, I don't really care about him at all. If you aren't a servant, you're an enemy, which is bad news because Look at what happens to enemies in the story. But bring here, verse 27, these enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. Now this is, this is hard, isn't it? This is hard, it seems harsh. Wow, Jesus. But let me ask you this, in, in, in school, maybe, or maybe in your kid's school, you've seen this. Uh, have you ever, ever uh, seen a, a, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving or an organization like that come in and do, do a presentation on drunk driving and the dangers of it? Often they will bring, and I remember in, in my high school years, I remember they, there was uh, this organization would just set this, uh, it was just sitting by the side of the road, this mashed up car, you know, this car that had been in a wreck in, in a drunk driving incident. And just mangled up car, you know, it's just, you can barely tell it's a car. And they bring this for people to see, to show, uh, to show people where drunk driving can lead. And you can imagine going up to, to you know, one of the people responsible for this, uh, this presentation and going, hey, I, I don't think that, that students should have to see that. That's pretty harsh. And then you can imagine the, the person saying, well, hey, this is the truth of where drunk driving leads. This is the truth. And I think in the same way, Jesus is telling us the truth about the judgment of God. Right, that his enemies be slaughtered in his presence. And if you read more about judgment in the scriptures, you'll find that that's, that's like a euphemism. It's much worse than that. If only it was slaughter. 
which might still be harsh. You might think, well, it's still, it's still just so harsh, even if it's true. Unless you know, I think, the character of the person saying it. Right, the nobleman in the story, we, we, you know, we don't know what he had to do to receive his authority, receive his kingdom. But we do know what Jesus had to do to get his kingdom, to receive his authority, receive the name that's above every name. What did he have to do? Right, the, Jesus, the, the noblest one, right, the one whom there's nothing wrong, there's no sin, there's all purity, it's all goodness. He, he is goodness himself. Right, what did he do? He, he gave up his, his power, he gave up his throne, he gave up his glory, and he became a man. And he humbled himself to become a man, and then not only to become a man, but to the point of death, and even the shameful death on a cross. You see, the noblest man was slaughtered in your place, in my place, for our sin. You see, he was slaughtered. He, he was slaughtered so that you don't have to be. And because of this, God has exalted him, has given him the name that's above every name. Right? He has received the authority. He's received the kingdom. He's wonderful. And that's why we can look at this and, and we can trust him because we know his character. Right? He's saying these things not to, not to, to just, just because he's, he's mean or he's harsh or he wants, to, he wants people to be punished. No, he's saying these things because there's a way out. There's a way to avoid the judgment of God. The judgment of God is real. And it's slaughter and it's worse. And there's a way to avoid it. It's through the blood of the lamb. Right? The king himself has died for you and has risen from the dead. There is judgment. Right? And, and look at this verse like you look at the car, like you look at the mangled up car. Right? May, it, may God sear this in our minds. So that we run to him. And so, brothers and sisters, if this is all true, and it is, right? If, if Jesus is our king, if he's gone away to receive authority, he's going to come back one day, and to him we will give an account. If judgment and heaven and hell and salvation are real, how then should we live? May the people of God wake from our sleep. May we rub the sleep from our eyes. May we throw off the sin that clings so closely to us and run with endurance the race set before us looking to Jesus. May we take what he's given us, the gifts he's given us that we don't deserve and will we be about the business of God in the world? The night is nearly over and the dawn will surely break. Only one life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. I'd like to give you a moment um, to reflect and respond to the Lord.
What is he saying to you? What's he calling you to from this passage? Maybe you realize you're an enemy. Oh, won't you turn to him? Christianity is not like other religions. You don't have to go to a holy place. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. The holy place can be your heart. All you do is open yourself to him. Just admit you've been wrong, that you've been his enemy. Ask for forgiveness. Trust Jesus. Maybe you're here, you're a Christian, and, um, and, and I, I, I feel it. I mean, I've been feeling it all week, and I feel it, in, I've felt it in the room today. This is, the, the call of God is, is heavy, isn't it? It's high. And, and aren't we all, haven't we all fallen short? <laughs> Couldn't we all have done better? So maybe you're convicted. Man, I've been lazy. I've really just been about my own business, not God's business. Brothers and sisters, we know what to do with that, don't we? (laughs) Just don't run and hide. No, no, no. We have a king who's died for us so that we we can run to him, the throne of grace, that what? We may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We run to him, we confess. I just, I've been, right, I've been wrong. I've, I've been lazy. I don't even know where to start, Lord, but I need your help. Run to him. you know our our flaws and our failures better than we do and Lord thank you that you don't reveal them all to us at once and overwhelm us Lord where we've been lazy where we've been afraid forgive us (laughs) there's no reason to where you're calling us to be about your business in the world the people you're calling us to love reach out to those who are far from you in our lives who we we just need to take that next step we need to pray for them we need to text them places you want us to serve we've been resistant to whatever it is 
Lord, would you help us? Would you make us faithful? Father, for the person in here who is your enemy, I just ask for your mercy. You would have mercy on them. Lord, even now, if they're resisting you, regardless of what they think, would you pour your love into their hearts in a way they can't deny? And would you make your enemies your friends as you love to do, as you've done with many of us? Lord, we pray for the, the lost people in our lives or the people in our families who are far from you, the people in Tomball, in Spring, in Cyprus, in Magnolia, in Houston, who are far from you. We pray that you'd have mercy. Have mercy, Lord, as they wander about, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Would you have mercy? Would you pour out your spirit on your church? that we would be your hands and feet in our time, in our place, where you've put us, the task you've told us to do. Thank you, Lord. We trust you. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen.